Oh, my goodness gracious, that stresses me out. We got to change that, Brian. We got to change to something, something a little bit more lighter than that. I guess it does. Mercy. If you had a good week this week? You like the weather outside? I almost wore a sweater this morning. <laughs> I'd have had to pull it off by noon. It's probably 90 degrees when we walk outside today. But anyway, uh, glad that you're here. Don't know why you're here. Some of you may be here for different reasons, but I pray that you've come to, to listen to God's word, to be a part. Kenny, you're in a good place sitting right there on the front row. Invitations are given you really close right here to make a, make a decision for Jesus, okay, just so you know that. Uh, but anyway, no, we're glad that you're here. And we want to talk about God's word. Rob Sullivan, I'm talking specifically to you today, okay? So we're going to focus on you today. Rob, every time I look, I'm going to look at you. So uh, <clears throat> we're going to be in the Bible because in the Bible is where we find God's truth. It's where we find his word. It's where we find hope. It's where we find meaning. It's where we find purpose. It's where we find direction. We, uh, we're in this series called Breathing Room. And this is the reality. Um, we live in a world that is fast-paced. It is doing everything that it can to not only just discourage us, but also destroy us. Would you agree with that? And this series is not for me, by the way. This is for you, Kevin Burke. doesn't have anything to do with me. I got all this. You would think that I would have all this stuff down. See, I hate doing stuff like this because God always reminds me of all that that I don't know and that I don't do. This past week... Uh, it was two. It was two forty when I looked up and realized that it was two forty, and I had not had lunch. And somebody says, "Oh, well, sounds like you need to listen to your sermon just a little bit." <laughs> and uh, absolutely. Um, but every one of us have an excuse for why we're so busy, don't we? Every one of us have an excuse of why we've got so many things going on and and life. Um, every one of us has a reason why our schedule is the way that it is. But this is the thing I want us to understand. We weren't created to hold the schedules that some of us hold. And the reality is this. The fears that we if, we, if we take everything that we do, there's probably a lot of things that we do that normally we shouldn't do, but we're doing it out of fear. And the reality is this, is that those fears will not only suck the life out of us, what they'll do is rob us from what matters most. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. And so um, this might be hard to hear, but the anxiety and stress that some of us have, a, have a, on our lives, the lack of breathing space, the breathing room, the lack of, of no space at all, we can trace it. A lot of, a lot of it can be traced back to... to uh, of a lack of trust in, in the Lord. We talked about that last week a little bit when we went back and looked at where when, when um, God had given the Israelites a specific command, maybe you remember our conversation last week where he had given them some commands. One of those commands had something to do with the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Maybe, maybe you remember that. And it would have been counter to the culture that the Israelites at that time would have lived because at that time, here they are coming out of 400 years of slavery. God had sent Moses in to rescue them out of the hands of, of Pharaoh and Egypt and slavery. And so God knew that, that to tell them to rest would have been totally countercultural to what they would have understood because the only thing that they would have known up until that time would have been what to do whatever Pharaoh told them. And, and work was a part of their schedule, not rest at all. 
And so here is the command by the Creator, specifically given to the Israelites to help them create some breathing room in their life, but also not just for that, so that it would help them understand that God wanted to have a relationship with them, but He also wanted them to learn to trust Him. I've often said this, and you'll hear it time and time again from this stage and in conversations that we have. If you want to tell a person's priorities, I used to say check their checkbook, but nobody uses checkbooks anymore. <laughs> check the debits. Find out where somebody's spending their money. Find out where somebody's spending their time. Check their calendars, and you'll find out where their priorities are. If you're like me, you probably have a tendency to want to cram too much in your calendar. Somebody told me one time a very wise person said, just because you have a blank spot on your calendar doesn't necessarily mean you've got to fill it with something. But that's the normal tendency that I have. There are a lot of different approaches we could take to calendaring, managing of our time. But today what I want to do is I want to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms. And I want you to turn there if you would. We're going to be there today. When I think of the book of Psalms, I literally, I think about David. And I think about all the Psalms that David wrote because David wrote a majority of the Psalms. But David was not only the author, was not the only author that we find in the book of Psalms. There were other authors with one of those authors being Moses, the man who would lead the people out of Egypt. And um, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 90 today. And it was written by Moses, so more than likely this is the oldest psalm that we have recorded. And while you're turning to Psalms chapter 90, just a brief history. Here was Moses, who would live to be 120 years old. Some people say that you can divide his life down into four different parts. The first season being the time that he was born. He was born of Hebrew parents, if you know the story. If you know Moses' story, he would eventually, after a series of events, be adopted into Pharaoh's household. Um, and there, his family would have a king fingertips until he murdered another Egyptian. Next season of his life, we see from an adopted when he was fleeing. of out from a position of royalty to a position of peasant. The story was called Moses to prepare and equip him to go but because we the people I'm not going to do that. You know the story. I'm tired of dealing with this. This great leader of the nation of Israel not only leading them out of Egypt out of slavery Toward the I wish that we could go something to eat and they would complain and they would grumble and God said you can do things everything precipice of that so and he wouldn't allow him to go in Don't you know who I am? I haven't forgotten who you are. And no, I know exactly while he was there in the wilderness. And we see Psalms. Moses But this is what I know that today, not just not. 
There may be something here to have breathing room. And so before we read these passages today, can we just talk to the Lord just for a second and then we'll we'll talk about the place. to make its mark in this generation not because of what we think but because of who we know Jesus our desire is that we would make your name known among us well, Lord, let us turn our attention to this place in this room for this specific moment because, because Lord today we're going to talk about your word talk about your word two-edged sword. But how to get right. As we read your word today, there is, a, there is a specific message here for each one of us. But Father, as, as we are praying, I'm reminded that there may be someone best is, is when we come to know you and make you Lord of our lives. Be with us in the reading of your Let's read this. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Through all the generations, you've been our home. It's a place of You're our home. And he goes on to say, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to the end, you are God. You turn people back to the What Moses is saying, God, you're the one who sits on the throne. You're the one who calls the shots. And I think most of us would understand and agree with that statement. Wouldn't have any problem with that at all because were diagnosed with a life. Who would you turn to? You learned as a child. Maybe you watched your parents turn and pray to the Lord. Maybe you pray because you believe God is the one who controls the clock. He's as a passing day, a brief, as brief as a few night hours. I'm getting to the place that like, and uh, I mean, our kids were just born, our kids were just born like yesterday, for goodness sake, and now they're gone. Praise the Lord. Listen, there's something good about that. The Bible designed it for to raise them up and to send them out. Isn't that right, babe? They need to call the home every once in a while. Now, Meredith doesn't necessarily like that. But I hear people saying sometimes, you know, it's going to be terrible. Not necessarily. Man, this is pretty good. Meredith and I get along together. We like each other. And so, uh, 
Moses would say that God is, as he reflects, here it is. He says a thousand years is like a couple of hours at night. From our perspective, we happen to think, though, that our lives are such a big deal. But Moses said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 5 and 6. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like, and he's talking about us. He says, they're like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning, it blooms and flourishes by evening. It is dry and withered. It dies. You ever seen those plants? They bloom in the morning, and by nighttime, they just die off. He says, our lives are like a flower that blooms in the morning, but its life cycle is, is short. You know, when you take the expanse of eternity, how long it may be, when's the last time you've considered the the length of your life is short, very little. And then look at what he says in verse 10. 70 years are given to, given to us. How many of us in this room are 70 or above? Will you raise your hand? I'm going to put my hand down. I'm not there yet. 70 years are given to us. Some may even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear. Hmm. talking about the years, he said, and we fly away. Time is short. And then we're gone. Verse 11, who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear that you deserve. In other words, if we could really see God for who he is, his power and his authority and his majesty and his righteousness, we would give him the reverence due. My kids, I put something on Facebook last night. And I just, you know, I just, I put a statement on my kids' book. I had two of my kids call me. Two of my kids, what, Dad, who are you mad at? What are you talking about, mad? I'm not mad at anybody. Well, Dad, you said, so who said something they shouldn't have said? I said, son, nobody said anything. You know, Abby and Caleb both are kind. I said, nobody said anything. I said, I was just reading this passage of Scripture, and I was just reminded of the reverence and the authority, yet so many times we learn authority from our parents. We learn authority and humility from other people. And I remember I, I've always, I grew up saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and how it was a sign of respect and, and honoring those who were older than us. And, and that was the basis of it. And listen, sometimes we wonder why our children may struggle to give God the reverence that it is due. And parents, how many times have we not set an example in that? Just a thought. And so here's Moses giving these, these weighty descriptions of the characteristics of God. And then it's like he, he pauses just to take a breath. If we could only understand how great God is and how mighty he is and how powerful he is, it would radically impact how we live and the decisions we make and how we spend our time, regardless of how little or much that might be. In other words, if we were to truly recognize God's greatness and his sovereignty and that he's at the top of the food chain, we might be willing, more willing to listen to what his word has to say and to rethink the gift of time that he has given to us. And then Moses goes on to write these words, which is where we set up today. Verse 12, teach us, teach us, teach us what? Teach us to realize the brevity of life. 
We could say it this way. Lord, would you teach us to realize that our days are numbered, that life is short. Because when we begin to think that way, maybe it will change the priorities that we have. Because how many of us in this room live as if we have too much time? We've got plenty of time. And when we've got plenty of time on our hands, we have a, 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 we have a, a tendency to want to waste that which has been given to us. It's no different with money. I mean, you've got a little bit extra money in the bank. You have a tendency to waste it. I mean, you can make a purchase and not really think that much about it because you don't necessarily have, a, have an issue that's going on with finances. But all of, if all of a sudden the finances are limited, it's easier to say no and be a wiser steward of what God has entrusted us, correct? Amen. I've learned with hooks. I got to give him a date. If I don't give him a date, whatever I tell him to do may not get done. That's the truth. But if I give him a date, whatever it, whatever it is that needs to get done, he'll get it done. Because he knows that there's a timeline. He knows that there is a, a date that has been set. He knows that there's a, dan, a de deadline and he will plan accordingly. What happens if we were to recognize that there was a deadline, that there was a, a date, and that regardless if we're ready or not, there's going to come a time when our time runs out and it'll be over with and it'll be done. And when it is... So will the opportunities. So here's Moses saying, what if, what if we were to live according to the thought that time isn't long, but time is short, that our days aren't long and many, but maybe they're numbered and maybe that there is a deadline that goes along. And Moses says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Why? Why does he say that? He tells us, so that we may grow in wisdom. There's that word, wisdom. And we talked about it all summer, wisdom. We can't seem to get away from it. Lord, teach us to understand the brevity of life, just how short life is, because if we understand how short life is, that you are in control of those days, it will help us gain wisdom. And wisdom in turn, as it relates to living, which will in turn help us make wiser choices and decisions. Specifically today is in reference to how we spend our, our time. And on the flip side, if we think we've got enough time, we've got plenty of time, we'll end up filling up our calendar with junk that maybe don't mean that much or stuff that's not that impactful. But Moses said, listen, when you come to the place of understanding that our days are numbered and that time is short, it has the ability to just prompt us to move towards wisdom and a perspective that's easier for us to be able to make wise choices as we spend our time. Like I said earlier, it's very simple. If I've got $5 in my pocket, let me tell you something. I'm going to be a whole lot more careful with how I spend what little bit I have. But if I think I've got plenty, I may have a tendency to waste it. Will you play along with me for a second? Will you do that? So let's just look towards the end of life and let's just, let's pretend that we're towards the end of life and we're at the last days that we have here on this earth. I want you to think there. I don't care how old you are today. I don't care if you're this age or this age. I want you to think with me towards the end of life. And I want you to go along with me just for a second. I want you to think towards the end of life and I want you to think about schedules and I want you to think about cal calendaring in the past. 
Now, I don't know how many of us have any, have any knowledge of what hospice is or hospice does, but hospice is an incredible organization that deals with people that are, that are in the end stages of life dealing with a terminal illness. And they're a very caring organization, a very helpful organization, bringing compassion and comfort to not only patients, but also families. And I, I have to interact with hospice from time to time. Just this past week, I was in the home of someone where hospice was in, and they were providing care for somebody that was terminally ill. And I've had the, the, not only the, the, to be in a home where care is being provided, I've also had personal um, experiences with family members who were dealing with hospice. And I just know I just know how awesome of an organization that it is. Well, there was a lady who happened to work with, a, with an organization like hospice in another country. And she, uh, she dealt with caring for people who were terminally ill in their families for many, many years. And over time, she learned um, that she gained an awful lot of wisdom in those conversations that she had because sometimes the terminally ill were able to communicate and their families were able to communicate and she would ask them questions and get to know them. And, and for those that were willing to, to be honest and authentic and transparent where they, where they were, she was able to, to gather a lot of information and she ended up writing a book. And in that book, one of the questions that she talked about that she asked was this, looking back, do you have any regrets? You know, as you look back on life, is there anything that, as you look back, that you regret? And for those people that were willing and honest and transparent, she found, she discovered what she considered to be five top, uh, five top regrets of people that were at the end of life. And I'd like to share those with you. Um, I've shared them before, but I would like to share with them with you, with you this morning. Top five regrets. The fifth regret was this. Um, number five, I wish I would have let myself be happier. How many of us don't realize that happiness is a choice and it's not based on our circumstances, but a condition of the heart? The fourth one was this, I wish that I would have stayed in touch with, more in touch with friends. How many people have deep regrets over, um, over a shallowness of relationships that they've allowed to just fall by the wayside? And as people look back, they said, I wish I would have given more attention to friendships and relationships. The third one was this, I wish, I wish I would have had the courage to express my feelings. How many people suppress their feelings, their real feelings, and end up being resentful and bitter in their old age? Hmm. Interesting. Number two was this, I wish I didn't work as much. Wish I didn't work as much. Out of all the men that she interviewed, she said there was not one that said, I wish that I worked more and spent less time at home, but just the opposite. I wish I would have worked less and spent more time with my family. There was a deep sense of regret looking back over spending too much time trying to earn a paycheck instead of just caring for other people. And uh, then there was the number one, number one regret that seemed to surface time in and time again, and it was this. I wish that I had the courage to live a life that was true to myself. You know, I love to sit down and have conversations with guys, especially as we get older, and just talk about life, the dreams, aspirations, what do they want to do, you know, and yet how many times are those aspirations and dreams never fulfilled or they never lived out because of the lack of courage and stamina? And we just end up being distracted or performing for, for other people. Maybe, maybe that speaks to some of you here today. And so here's the thought. That if we believe that God's word is true, that God's word is right, and it, it speaks to us, and it has 
There's something here for us that God wants us to hear if it's true. And the days of our lives are numbered, as, as Moses would remind us. Then how do we apply this wisdom to my life as it relates to our current schedules? In other words, knowing that time is short and believing that time is short, what's the best use of, of my time? But that's a really tough question because if we're honest, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause some tensions. You know that. There are going to be some, some tensions because somewhere along the line, if I'm honest, there may have to be some adjustments that are made. And most adjustments, when adjustments are being made, there's a tension, there's, there's, a, there's a rub that goes on. And it may not necessarily be the choice between something that's good and something that's bad. It may be the tension between something that is good versus something that is beneficial. Are you with me? The tensions might be something like this. If I don't, and you can fill in the blank, whatever that is, if I don't blank, I will get behind. It may be referencing your job. It may be referencing finances. But what's the driving force behind the dates and the times in your calendar? Is there a fear that's associated with what you have there? Who or what is behind that fear? God help us to discern the truth because there's freedom in truth. Help us to see and recognize and understand that what your word says is true, that, that life is short, and help us to make wise choices. Or what about this one? The tension of if I don't take advantage of every opportunity, I won't be successful. Well, who in the world determines success? What's the target? What are you shooting at? What are you aiming at? Is it a position? Is it a title? Is it a certain amount of money that's in the bank? I mean, how many people are, are focused on achieving it only to realize that when they get it, it wasn't what they thought it was? And only to realize that when they get it, it really wasn't what they wanted to begin with. Are you with me? It can be the result of an inner security or outside influence. It can be the result of a lie that we're listening to. Lord, would you teach us the brevity of life to help us grow in wisdom? Or what about this tension? If I don't, then I will end up being broke and poor. <laughs> I don't see any poor people in this room. There's probably no poor people listening to my voice. Most people that say they're poor don't understand what poor is. Poor is not missing a meal. Poor is not having just one pair of shoes. Most people in our congregation today have never seen poor. You don't know what it's like to be poor. We used to say, well, I grew up poor growing up because my, my, you know, my, my jeans had holes in them today. That's a fad, you know. <laughs> you had one pair of jeans and you had an awful lot of those stickers in them. You know, your mama used to those iron and iron them over the top or you had shoes and you taped them together. I know what that's like. Yes. You know, that still wasn't poor. Most of us don't even know what poor is. How many times do we relate the word poor to to what we feel we deserve or, have, or are entitled to. Or we use the word poor compared to the other people around us. Or what about the stressor or the tension? If I don't blank, they won't like me. I mean, how many people have a calendar full of stuff that we're trying to do to gain approval or the acceptance of other people? And I know this is off topic, but not necessarily off topic. How many of us have spent finances on stuff that we don't necessarily need, but we've spent that finances trying to impress somebody? Yeah. Lord, help us to understand that time is short. 
Help us to live from your perspective, recognizing that life is, is numbered. And as a result, help us grow in wisdom. Help us to make right choices as it relates to our time. And so with that thought in mind, I want to give you two things for homework. And I'm going to check some of you next week. Next week, I'm going to call some of you out. I'm just going to see if you've done your homework, okay? Most people may not show up next week. It may be low. But I'm going to give you two, two things for homework. It's really simple. It's not hard. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to grade you. This is yours. But I may check up on you to see how you're doing. But there's two things, two questions I want you to ask that are really important, specifically as it relates to time. And here's your first question. I want you to take this seriously because what we're talking about has the ability to be life-changing. Two questions. The first one is this. What is, what is it that I'm doing that needs to be deleted? What in my schedule needs to be cut out? What am I presently doing that may not be the best use of my time? What's taking up the space on my calendar that may not be that important? That's not for me to answer. That's for you to answer. That's not even necessarily for your spouse to answer. That's for you to answer. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's an extracurricular activity. Maybe it's extra work. Maybe it's overtime. I don't know what it may be. Maybe it's time on social media. But whatever it may be, what is it that I need to do that I need to remove from my schedule that's keeping me from experiencing what's best? What is it that I need to cut out? What's most important? What on my calendar is robbing me of what's best? And here's the second one. It goes along with the first one. What is it that I need to add? What is it that I need to delete? What is it that I need to add? What's important that I'm not presently doing that I need to add? Is there something that I'm not doing that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Is there something I'm not giving attention to that I need to be giving attention to? Maybe it's I'm not giving enough attention to my spouse. Maybe it's I'm not giving enough attention to my kids. Maybe it's I don't have enough play time. Maybe what I need to do is I need to spend time with some other people that are moving in the same direction that I am. Maybe I need to spend some time with some other people that are, that, are, that are wanting to seek after the things of the Lord. Maybe I need that fellowship and I don't have it in my life. Where do I create some space to put it in my calendar? Maybe you recognize the need for some adjustments and change. There'll be some tensions, especially when there's realignment. When there's adjustments that need to be made, there will be some stresses that go along with that. So what is it? What am I doing that I need to do less of? What is I, am I doing that I need to do more of or just do period? Some of us may just need to play more. You may need that in your life because you don't have that in your life. Then some of you, you might need to work more because you don't work that much. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. This is an exercise for you. But as you're doing it, I want you to think about the words of Moses and think about the things that Moses said as he learned about the sovereignty and the power and the majesty and the righteousness of God. And Moses would, would write the words, Lord, teach, teach us. Lord, would you teach us? Teach me to realize the brevity of life. So that we may grow in wisdom. So what is it I need to delete? What is I need to add? How can I be a better steward of the time that I have, regardless of how little or much that may be? Because the truth is, we have limited amounts of time. And when we live recognizing that our days are numbered, 
It's the precursor to spiritual growth and wisdom and breathing room. But see, it's not just about your calendars. It's not just about our schedules. See, that's, that's an area we can create some more breathing room. But the ultimate space, the ultimate rest, comes from Jesus himself. See, this is what Jesus would say in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, it was Jesus who said, Come to me, all you who are weary, weary and, and carrying heavy burdens. And Jesus said, I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, take my teachings upon you, and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, some of the anxiety that you may be facing and the stress you may be facing may not have anything to do with your calendar. Maybe it has to do with the fact that you don't know the one who created the calendar, Jesus. Because, see, if you know Jesus you'll know rest. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know rest. So what is it that needs to be deleted? What is it needs to be added? And at the forefront of that whole question is this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? If we allow this perspective if we allow this perspective to, to, to capture our attention and we're willing to make the adjustments and the changes needed, it will impact our lives. But listen to me. It will not only impact our lives personally, but this kind of choice will impact the lives and trickle down to those that we love the most. Are you with me? So much in this. Brian said something earlier, and we need to understand this. See, there's a world that's watching. There are some people that don't want to come on the inside because they say the people on the inside are no different than those of us on the outside. So why in the world would I want to go to the inside to get what they got when they don't have anything more than I do? I believe that God calls us to be a light into the world, a city on a hill. I believe that he calls us to be different, and when we live that way, it has, an, it has a way of impacting the lives of others. And there will be people that will come to you and say, can you tell me a little bit about your life and where you seem to get this peace and rest from? See, there's a world that's waiting that wants to see. And we have the privilege. We've got the book. It tells us what to do, just whether or not we're willing to live by it. Would you pray with me today? Father, as we finish up our time, it's important to be reminded that today, Lord, would you teach us the brevity of life? Would you help us to gain wisdom? And Father, the, the, uh, the courage to do something with what we've just heard. Father, I pray for the adjustments that may lie ahead, lie ahead and in our lives for those of us that realize that our days are numbered. Help us to know what to add and help us to know what to subtract. Help us to know what we need to be doing less of and what we need to be doing more of. 
And Lord, as we spend time resting in you, would you surprise us with an incredible amount of clarity? Would you surprise us with clarity? And Lord, would you also surround us with people that will help us as we're, we're seeking to make these changes, people that are moving in the same direction? Would you help us to live according to your, your will? And Father, for the person that may be here today that And they have it together when it comes to their calendar. But when it comes to knowing the one who brings rest, the Savior himself, that's that's where they struggle. And even today, would they come to realize that that you are Jesus, that you're Lord. May today be that place where they come to recognize their sin, come to humble themselves, to say, Jesus, I want to submit my life to you right now. See, because true rest isn't just in getting my schedule together. True rest is finding rest in you and trusting in you. And so, Lord, I pray for the person here or the person listening to my voice that may be at that place right there where you are. You have the ability to cry out to God and say, Jesus, save me. I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. I want to make you Lord of my life. And if that's you today, please let me know or someone know before you leave this place about this decision so that we can walk closer with you. Father, as we get ready to walk out these doors, would you remind us of the opportunity we have to be your hands and feet, to be your ambassadors to this world. Help us to recognize your people that are watching us. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Or is it just hot air? Lord, we will, when we believe by faith, we will live by faith. Father, our lives will be different. To know you, oh, to know you, it brings about change. Helps us see things differently. Help us to see with clarity, to live with clarity. To be motivated by clarity that, Lord, that our, our goal isn't to make our name known, but it's to make your name known to this world. Thank you for the privilege of this being with this people today. Father, would you encourage us as a church family? Father, would you help us to be sympathetic, compassionate, and loving towards others that may not be where we are. Help them to come to know Jesus by not just what we say, but how we choose to live. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray.